Time for a little uh, wellness chat with our friend Dr. Michael Royson of the Cleveland Clinic, the guy behind so many books like the Age Proof Life Series. But if you want to live like you're 40 when you're 90, you need to get into the uh, Great Age Reboot, the new book, The Great Age Reboot. And you can find details and more information at greatagereboot.com, The Great Age Reboot. Dr. Royson, welcome, my friend. My privilege. Thank you, Michael. I'm glad you're here and you tolerate all of my uh, demands on your time. And uh, you also teach me so much. And last week, we had a discussion, a brief discussion about something that is always on our minds, and that is uh, diabetes and uh, how people are dealing with it, how you can avoid it, how you can uh, be smart about your own health. And uh, we hinted that we we're going to talk about this, um, this drug, Ozempic, which is meant for diabetes, but also people are finding it's good for weight loss. And then Weight Watchers buys a telehealth company, and people are worried that that's going to lead to more pressure on using Ozempic as a weight loss helper and that will hurt the diabetes people. Where does all of this link up in your brain, Dr. Royzen? Um, these are drugs that are in the class of GLP-1. There really are two. One is called uh, drazepatide and the other is semaglutide. That's their other names. Semaglutide is the Eli, um, I'm sorry, is the Nova Nordisk drug that is called Ozempic when it's used for diabetes. And it's the same exact semaglutide, but it's called, and it's at a bigger dose, um, it's called Wagovia when it's used for obesity treatment. Now, and the, the Eli Lilly drug is the trisepatide, which is called Monjaro. Um, and both of them are in the same class. Um, they decrease the um, desire to eat food. That is, they send a message to your brain to stop craving. Hmm. And that's the mechanism it's thought, um, in addition to some hormonal signaling changes, that decrease um, the diabetic risk. When it was used for diabetes, it was noted that some people lost weight with it. Huh. And in February 20 or so, they started a six-month trial to look at it as a weight loss drug. And the requirement of the FDA is you lose 5%. So if you're uh, 200 pounds, it would be you'd lose 10 pounds and keep it off for the six months. And um, the um, Ozempic or semaglutide did that. Um, it is a once a week injection. Now, Side effects, we don't know it's long-term side effects, but one of the disturbing parts is that if you don't do resistance training at the same time, you lose more muscle mass than you should. Ooh. That's roughly 20% of your body is muscle, but if you use semaglutide and don't do um, strength training in your core muscles at the exact same time you're doing it, 
that is you don't put in some work, you'll lose 40% of your muscle, of the weight loss will be muscle mass. That means, um, if you will, in, in looking at it, that that's a negative for the drug. I would say. Uh, I, I think um, we so, all need to be so, strong, right? Uh, strength is well, kind of important well, to survival. And it uses, and your muscles and your muscle mass use a lot of calories. So long term, we don't have good enough data on any of these drugs. And when you stop using them, and the people who stopped in those studies, they gained the weight back. So it looks like you have to continue to use them. And we really don't have more than two-year data on uh, the risks of them. The other benefit of the Michael, and so this is um, kind of breaking news, is I have a couple of patients who are all, were obese but also were hooked on drugs or craved drugs, uh, are reformed drug users. Hmm. And they have said that it takes away their craving for drugs as well. If that's true, it's an amazing, right, it's an amazing benefit that we might be able to use to stop the drug crisis if we could get it to be inexpensive enough. Ozempic is, is in its higher doses, which is Wagova, is around $400 wholesale a month. The Trizepa uh, or the Manjaro is, is a little, is around $500 a month. Those don't cost the drug company any place near that much money. So if they if they sold them for forty dollars a month, they have a much greater use of them um, as opposed to at uh, four hundred dollars a month. And we wouldn't have this being only for the rich people's drug, or when you've got diabetes and the insurance company will pay for it. That's uh, so, it's a, it, it, it lights up a lot of questions in my brain, Doc, because you have these three drugs, uh, Ozempic, Wagovi, Manjaro. Well, really, really two, two drugs. Okay. Ozempic and Wagovi are the same drug. And just a different size dosage for different use. But Manjaro sounds like a Disney movie to me. You know, come see Manjaro. It's uh, premier. Well, it's actually, you know, when you, when you it, it, it seems to have less nausea, mm -hmm. less diarrhea, less constipation, less vomiting, less GI side effects associated with it, and um, as effective as Wagova huh. or as, as semaglutide. Well, all, all of this is good for people who are dealing with diabetes. I, I just worry that if the Hollywood community, the people that are obsessed with uh, losing weight without changing their diets or adding exercise or both, that that's going to put a strain on availability and affect the market, and it's already expensive. Um, it just it just concerns me. And as you said, we don't have enough data, but the the loss of muscle mass to me should be a huge warning to anybody that, and especially if kids are going to get prescribed well, but, this. Well, remember, remember. If you do the strength building exercise, which is what you're supposed to do, you don't lose the muscle mass any greater than normal. But Doc, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna project something here. If you're not disciplined enough to change your lifestyle with diet and exercise to battle diabetes and or weight, 
uh, and you're going to start taking a monthly injection, do you really think you're going to adhere to a weightlifting or strength training program? Well, we always hope you will. Yeah, I know. I, I'm I'm such a skeptic. I know. I'm Mr. Negative. I'm sorry to be Mr. Negative, but uh, it it's always that we appear to be looking for a magic pill to fix everything in our lives. And while, while uh, medications are very useful in fighting things like cancer and, and heart disease, um, so much can be changed with just lifestyle changes. And well, just imagine, wait, wait, wait. We spend probably 20% of the total healthcare budget. That is, uh, if, if we're spending $2.6 trillion, um, roughly 200 and, and whatever it is, $520 billion is spent on obesity mm. and its consequences. And another bunch on, on the diseases of, of arthritis, um, heart disease, stroke, dementia, and uh, cancer that obesity causes. So imagine if we have a drug that literally wipes out the scourge because we had the genetic predisposition to get fat. We all have this predisposition to store fat so we can survive. But if we can, obviously many of us are disciplined to not get obese. But if you take away 43% of Americans are obese, 69% or so, I think, are, are overweight. If you eliminate that, you save the economy. You make us much more productive. You decrease disability. You make society much better. So imagine if this sold for like $4 a month, which is what it costs them to produce it. We would be able to wipe it out. And so I think if, if I was going to say, come on, Eli, and come on, Nova, make this a more $40 a month drug, you'd have much better market penetration, so much more of it. Your profits would increase and you would decrease the cost of medical care in America by 20%. It's amazing, right? They could do that. It, it is a... Uh... It's a, a great thought, but I wonder if I, it's a tad altruistic because I believe, again, I'm the skeptic, Doc. I believe that, you know, we, we take the easy road out. I understand the company could make it available, but if, um, if people aren't going to change their but, behavior. But, but, no, 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 but if we take the easy road out and then there is a way of taking it without an adverse effect, that would be tremendous for the productivity of America, it would be tremendous for decreasing our use of resources for treating obesity. We'd have much less disability. You wouldn't have people who had to get amputations because of diabetes or go on dialysis or get kidney transplant because of it. We, it, would, it would be amazing if we could do that. And because as you said, human nature is these people aren't changing their habits. So, okay, let's get them a drug that helps them change their habits, that stops the craving. All right, now I'm going to play the devil's advocate again. If this is going to be such a benefit and could potentially eliminate um, the need for all of that stuff, for the amputations, for the dialysis, etc., cetera, uh, won't the medical industrial complex see that it's cutting its own throat? 
no, no. We, you know, we medicine is the only field that has that where the research is continuously trying to eliminate jobs. We are trying to eliminate our own jobs. Um, that is, when I do research into heart disease prevention, it's trying to say how do we avoid heart disease so that the Cleveland Clinic Heart Disease Center doesn't need to be any place near as big as it is. Medicine is continually trying to eliminate its own self through its research, and that would be great. Imagine now, not only does it decrease the craving for food, it decreases food craving for alcohol and opioids. Huge benefit to society. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I, I have to look at it from both sides, and I, I'm always uh, looking at So it. your job, if you can get it, is get to the Eli Lilly and the Nova Nordisk and tell them, for cripe's sakes, make much more of it and lower your prices, please. Because it's not tough to make, apparently. No. Okay, good. Good. All right. I, I've eaten up a lot of your time talking about this, but obesity ties into so many of the stories that we cover diabetes ties into so many of the stories let's uh weave it right into uh some of this and and uh i'm gonna go to weight gain and the um the long-term stress can make us gain weight um you know i i know this but what does long-term stress do to make us how does it do that um well we think there there are a couple of known mechanisms, but it's almost too easy to to say these. So when you're stressed, you release um, hormone called uh, cortisone, and cortisone causes an increase in blood sugar that goes to the brain and releases dopamine and causes you to want more blood sugar, um, and so you want to eat it causes that craving for sugary food, which when you eat excess calories and don't metabolize it, don't use it in your muscles, etc., that you gain weight, you store it. Um, and so the reason that we say, the, the easy reason, and we don't know if this is the full one, um, but it also is um, that uh, you... Um, when you're stressed, you need something to divert you. Many people use TV as a diversion. A lot of people use food as that diversion. How do I keep busy and not think about what's causing me the stressful event? So there are a lot of potential reasons, but the basic underlying mechanism is when we're stressed, we crave food and we eat it. Yeah, I get it. And if you're using TV and food, that's a combination because there's very little movement involved with <laughs> with that combination. And that's right. The, the key we use is put your exercise bike in front of the TV and take the couch away and don't, um, if you will, um, don't ever watch TV without being on the bike. That's pretty cool. Maybe you should have the bike power the TV, you know. <laughs> the more you pedal, the more you can watch. <laughs> they, that, so, that's tough. I, I know. I was just throwing it out there. Uh, while we're talking about exercise, there are um, constant reminders, it seems, every week that exercise is tied to everything good for us in terms of lowering 
chronic illnesses and extending our lives and even a little bit of exercise, correct? Correct. So the story I think you're talking about is the 11 minutes of walking. So this is a study done in 685,000 people. So it's a large number of people from what's called the UK bio database, United Kingdom database. And what they uh, showed is that they, in those people who walk 11 minutes compared to those who do no exercise. So it's called a short, brisk walk every day. And what the short, 11 minutes of walking decreased your risk of dying of any cause by 14% compared to those who didn't walk. If they walked 22 minutes, it was a 27% reduction. 28% overall, 27% in cancer deaths. So um, the, the point is that just a little bit of activity in this study was beneficial. Yeah, take 15 minutes out of your day, walk one place, uh, one direction for seven minutes, and then turn around and walk back. And you, you've got the problem solved. It's beneficial. It's, it's overall good for you. And maybe you'll listen to a book on tape or, or something to distract you from it. Right, and if you do two of those a day, you get your minimum requirement of physical activity. That's so easy. So break away from life, which will lower stress, and, and take a walk. And it's good for everything in your life. It's so simple to do. Uh, Doc, one more I have in here because I, I want to reinforce this every week. Uh, vaping, either tobacco or weed, is not good for kids. Um, that's right. So the, um, the, the story relates to, um, is it, it, is the vaping the cause of this or is the vaping the result of it? But whatever it is, it, vaping causes inflammation in the body, which increases, um, a number of other problems. It increases heart disease, increases stroke, increases impotence, increases wrinkles. Long term, it increases dementia as well as arthritis. But this one looked at its mental effects or the effects. And what this was, was that both vaping and smoking um, were tied to higher anxiety. Instead of reducing stress, they increased the stress and the anxiety of the kids. Um, so it's important to talk to your kids about the dangers of vaping and um, find out whether if they are already vaping or smoking, find out if they're dealing already with mental health issues. And maybe it's the mental health issues that causes them to vape and smoke. Yeah, it's a it's an overall uh, problem in my world. I, and I laugh at people when I see them vape because I think it looks silly, but that's me. I, I just think it looks dumb with your little pen and your smoke, and you, you think it's cool. It's not. Uh, one more thing here, Doc. Last week we talked about that uh, artificial sweetener and uh, how it was uh, causing some concerns for some people for heart attacks, et cetera. I got a couple of people wrote to me and said, that they thought we got it wrong. Did we get it wrong, that story of what is erythritol? 
Erythritol is the artificial sweetener that in the epidemiology, that's association studies done from my own Cleveland Clinic, uh, increased the risk of heart attack and stroke. And the mechanism was that at the in in vitro studies using fairly high doses of erythritol, it increased clotting and increased the ability of platelets to get together, which is a mechanism of heart attack and stroke. We said that although this was done in a very careful laboratory and was associated with that, that it wasn't association, it wasn't, you know, in other words, it wasn't a randomized controlled trial and that we needed much better data before you changed your habits and threw out those things there. But that as a method of precaution, because it is the data and the mechanism are so clear that um, the if you're going to uh, use erythritol in food, that you probably should talk to your doctor about um, using a baby aspirin at least once a day to decrease clotting risk. And remember, if you're taking a baby aspirin, take it with a half glass of warm water before and after to decrease its own, uh, if you will, stomach problem, which is bleeding the aspirin landing on the stomach lining instead of landing in the water. The reason you want the half glass of water beforehand is you want the aspirin to land in it and not on the stomach lining. Now, um, how good is the data? The data are pretty darn good. But remember, you have erythritol naturally. You produce it naturally when you exercise as well as when you eat it. And so it's a substance that we don't know how much of this is uh, from food versus how much is uh, produced. But it was the people with the higher levels of erythritol had higher levels of heart attacks and strokes. So if you're going to keep using erythritol in food, uh, one, watch out for other studies because there will be studies to find out whether this is true science or whether it is just a random event. And secondly, talk to your doc about uh, that baby aspirin with half glass of water before and afterwards. Never a bad idea to talk to your doctor. And that's why I like talking to Dr. Roizen every single week. Dr. Michael Rosen, the Cleveland Clinic. Check out thegreatagereboot.com. Uh, start targeting yourself to live like you're 40 when you're 90. It's a good plan. Dr. Roizen, thank you, my friend. Thank you. My privilege. 